This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave inside the Melon Law Studio, protected by crime prevention 24-7, 365 in the Piney Woods of north central florida god's country there you are that's the whole spiel uh and uh you know one sentence amazingly we got on the spot cleaners patronizing great place to be great people uh we got r and r construction if you need any of that sort of work done lance lunger is a good friend uh also of course uh, we have uh shoot gtr which is really uh only outdoor range in this area and it's very well managed by a good friend of mine Style cuts, uh, also uh, David Ratliff, that's the place to go, as my father used to say, to get your ear set out or yourself policed up. Lotro Chronicle, we share a lot of stories with them. We're going to do that again today. I want to applaud Jennifer Cabrera and her crew for really providing you with things that you won't get anywhere else. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> well, well, well. I'm going to cover quite a bit of things here locally. It just seems that, uh, once again, if you've been watching the show, um, um, local is national. As uh, the uh, Democrat-run Alachua County goes, um, it reflects the larger nation of uh, woke and progressive left liberals that are um, running the show in so many ways in so many places, and particularly in the White House, evidently. So one piece of news that's always been perplexing to us as we covered this show we had an excellent guest a while back, Whitney Burnett, who was the principal canine man for years with ASO, uh, talked for about an hour with us uh, uh, a while back about canines. And then we turn around and see uh, the um, um, the city here, let me pull my notes here, has um, done away with um, the canines and um, um all over the so-called, oh, well, the so-called story that um, the the uh, dog had taken away um, the eye of the uh, fleeing um, person that day. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, <clears throat> mystery about that because people who have seen this report um, inside and don't talk about it on the outside say it was not the dog, it was a stem on the hedges that had been trimmed that poked the man's eye. Um, that's never been addressed. And I noticed in the last um, rendition of this publicly, um, as they wrote about the reinstalling of the canines, uh, we see that um, that's sort of euphemistically talked about. It doesn't say that the canine uh, was the cause directly of the, uh, the uh, fleeing person's loss of eye, uh, doesn't really say anything except that it was lost during this incident. And I thought that was a little bit of a change in the reportage that we've been getting about this event. And it suggests that there is really another story behind the story that we never, ne may never make the night of day, uh, light of day because it, it just doesn't fit the public narrative. It doesn't fit the political um, um, story uh, that's in fashion right now. And that basically is that the cops are bad and the criminals are good, uh, that sort of thing. You've seen that, I'm sure, in many, many of your uh, participations in events. And um, well, that's been the story here uh, for the longest time, is that uh, it is uh, really uh, the same old, same old, and that uh, certainly it couldn't have been the, the villain himself or the guy running of that uh, started all this. It, ha it had to be... It had to be, uh, you know, the dog and the cops. So 
Uh, you just have to parse that through, but I wanted to call your attention to the fact that the latest public rendition of the event, which is uh, uh, chronicling the moment the canine unit has been reinstalled. You know, the canine unit is essential. It saves the lives of guys, human beings, and uh, captures so many people that human beings can't capture. The thing I think that brought this all back to public attention was the fact that there was a killing on Northwest 3rd Street. I think it was in 200 block there uh, of two people. Uh, and they called for the canines. And, of course, GPD had none. And ASO wasn't going to send theirs because ASO really could have been then criticized if the canine had done anything to the culprit, had the culprit been located, which in this case the culprit wasn't until later. And, of course, the ASO could have also sent the canine and charged the city uh, for the use of uh, the county uh, canines. I think the message got through that uh, if you want to have uh, uh, people protected, then you really need to reinstate the canine unit. And um, this is all just speculation and reading between the lines on my part. But these events follow hard on each other. And you have to sort of conclude that um, this standing down of the canines in the first place was a real bad move. We have a confession um, published not too long ago by one of the canine handlers who said he couldn't take it anymore. The political intrusion, I'm paraphrasing him, him so please don't um, uh, um, think that it's, I'm getting it literally, but I remember what his position was, quite frank, quite open. And he just couldn't operate under this kind of political interference in, in professionally trained activities. So we saw that published. I think that was published by Lotro Chronicle. And it was very daring on this young man's part. In fact, from what I hear from the law enforcement world, uh, he just fixed it so he won't get promoted. Uh, this, that, well, that's sad, I'm sad to hear that. But it's one of those things that the violation of the code, if you will, if you talk about uh, the, what goes on inside the the, the, the the world of law enforcement, if you talk about that to the public, then the, the law enforcement world um, ex expels you from their group. Um, it's We talked about that a little bit. That's unfortunate, but that's uh, probably got some truth to it. Uh, so the city of Gainesville creaks along with the same old, same old, strange kinds of behavior. Um, it's 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 got something going on now um, that just I just want to work this in. Uh, get ready to cue this up, please. Uh, production. Uh, we've got here. Uh, this is thanks to Jennifer Cabrera and Logical Chronicle again. Um, a situation where um, a discussion among uh, city commissioners was filmed and recorded. They all are, and it seems that they seem to forget this from time to time. Uh, we found this out when we started the Ward Scott Files, uh, when we began to investigate the behavior of the Lachua County Commission and found out that they had meetings before the meetings where they largely decided everything. And the public thing was just charades, kind of. And lo and behold, I don't think they ever realized that they were being recorded. In the case of the county, uh, commission, the kind of commission is recorded by the clerk of the court. Uh, I'm not sure who recorded what we're about to see, but I will tell you that uh, um, they're quick to say, uh, uh, and Jennifer did a great job of writing about this, uh, that this was held in the sunshine. Uh, these commissioners are quick to say that to discuss criteria of all things for awarding a key to the city. Now, I, I want you to hearken back to when P. Green Underhand was the mayor and the president of the United States in Air Force One flew into Gainesville Airport. And I don't know if you know this, some of you do. Um, uh, she never went out there to greet him. The mayor of the city of Gainesville did not go. I'm not even talking about the key to the city. She didn't even go greet the person, uh, obviously for political differences. You know, this, in a nutshell, is what's wrong with current-day politicians. You don't treat your guests this way. Everyone knows this. 
I mean, come on, where is the public decorum? Where are the, uh, as the, uh, as the, where are the manners? Where's the professional behavior? Uh, this was startling to people and she never even blushed about it. As far as she was concerned, that's what you get for not being one of us. You know, she was a rude, difficult person to deal with if you didn't get along with her or support her. And uh, she, she's uh, your good friend when you're on her side. But if you're not on her side, she's not going to take any effort to even walk across the street to say hello to you. Um, this arrival by the president, um, and, and, and I believe Travis Horn was the chair of the Republican Party here then, Alachua County. Um, it was, uh, it was a, just a rude display of, of uh, manners here by a woman. And yes, Michael Lucas points out to uh, Pelosi tearing up Trump's speech. Uh, I've never seen such nasty behavior publicly displayed as that, for example, in the halls of Congress. I mean, that was one of the most distasteful and nobody called her out on it. Nobody, nobody dressed her down. So this nasty, rude behavior becomes the rude behavior, the behavior that people can bump into when they go to restaurants, uh, can bump into when they, uh, you know, are just doing about their daily business. And all of a sudden, maybe they got the wrong hat on or uh, been associated with. And they get uh, confronted by these woke left liberal and they're Democrats. Um, I sorry to say, I mean, you know, it would be. And of course, there's always going to be a reaction to the action. So then when the Republican uh, reacts or the victim reacts, then the reaction is the, the, the reactor's fault. Uh, totally unlike that which the liberals do with the criminals. Uh, when the young man fled from the canine, it was the canine's fault. It wasn't the young man's fault, uh, Bradley. So now this is uh, really kind of funny here, but I want to applaud Jennifer Cabrera for uh, writing about it. Uh, and I want you to, can we run this and then I'll talk about it. Are we ready to run a production? Oh, here we go. Now, this is, watch this carefully. Here we go. Now, this is, watch this carefully. Here we go. Now, this is. Are we running production? Are we running production? I'm a little bit behind. I'm a little bit behind. No sound on the video. Never, never, never an accent speaker. We'll get it fixed. Yeah. It may be a former justice, okay. the Supreme Court or something, but it's a... You're saying when Cl Clarence Thomas comes in, he takes the U.S. Consulate. <laughs> Please, God forbid. Never, 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 never an yeah. accent speaker. Yeah. It may be a former justice, okay. Supreme Court or something, but it's a... You're saying when Cl Clarence Thomas comes in, he takes the U.S. Consulate. <laughs> Please, God forbid. I'm still trying to figure out if we're getting a sound on this video here. Let's run it twice. Let's run it twice. Yeah. Speaker. Yeah. It may be a former justice. Talk to me. Is it cooling up now? Court or something, but it's a. You're saying when Cl Clarence Thomas comes in, he takes the U.S. Consulate. Please. Let's run it twice. Let's run it twice. Yeah. Speaker. Never, never. Maybe a former justice. Talk to me. Is it cooling up now? Yeah.
All right, right, right. I think we got it queued up here now. We ran it. I think you got to hear it. I'm sorry. I apologize for a little snafu in the beginning. Uh, uh, this is uh, really kind of amazing. I'm going to go through now the actual article that Jennifer Cabrera wrote. I, I wanted you to see. Uh, I wanted you to see uh, uh, the actual uh, discussion there uh, and see if we got it all. I'm looking at your chat line. Uh, I think the video did. Yeah, get fixed. Okay. And you did hear it. All right. Here's what we have here. We have a discussion. And you can see Cynthia Chestnut uh, schooling the young man, Brian Eastman, who is he's a city commissioner. He's a kid. You know, you always wonder about these kids getting elected to office. Um, you know, what do they know? What have they done? What kind of mistakes have they made? Have they uh, lived long enough to to um, get wise, all these things come about. And, you know, here is a woman, Cynthia Chestnut, uh, who has obviously got an attitude about Clarence Thomas, whose own son, Christopher Chestnut, who was a lawyer, is permanently, permanently disbarred. Will never practice law again. Okay? This woman... Obviously, because of some thing that has a burr under her saddle about Clarence Thomas is schooling the young man, Brian Eastman, who is all too eager to please, I'm sure, and follow uh, the mama bear here on how they are to treat visiting dignitaries. Now, as I said, there's a history to this. There's a history to this. P. Green underhand thumbing her nose at the president of the United States when he came here in Air Force One. Wouldn't even go see him. So this discussion is about, and I don't know why Clarence, who's been here, by the way, Clarence Thomas was here and talked at the University of Florida Law School, which is incredibly liberal. That law school is off the charts liberal. Last time I checked, there was only one Republican law professor on that staff. I know the gentleman. Uh, they may have had another one, but uh, this was the only one at the time. And you know, I, I, they, he wound up Clarence Thomas at speaking at the University of Florida uh, Law School. And by the way, the security there was incredible. You couldn't get near the place. So, um, here, the gentleman's already been to the city, and they want to treat this as an example of a person who would never, ever, under any circumstances, get the key to the city. Who in the world is Cynthia Chestnut to lead the discussion on this? I mean, as this is, this is, I wanted you to see it. I wanted you to hear it. And I like the fact that Jennifer wrote about it in great detail, and I'm referencing what she wrote. And I'm referencing what she included as a uh, video. And I'm suggesting to you that everything these people do is on video. And a lot of times they either cavalier. Eastman claimed later he never even knew that that discussion would be uh, videotaped. I mean, this is, an, this is testimony to, to his own uh, naivete and, and, and youthful innocence, if you want to give him a charitable uh, interpretation of being gullible. But here he is um, talking with her, asking her for examples uh, of what could get the key to the city. And they have this big guffaw about Clarence Thomas comes and talks at the UF and he doesn't get a key to the city. They both laughed. Uh, you know, William Faulkner has many verbs for laughter, guffawed and chortled and and uh, laughter is just not laughter. There's chortling and guffawing. I would say that this is beyond just a laugh. It's a guffaw. It's a kind of sarcastic, uh, better than thou. Uh, look at how puny and pitiful you are. And look how much power I've got over you. And so they laugh together. Never, 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 never. And uh, this is uh, something you not I'm not suggesting as voters, you have anything you can do about this because you've got a blue county 
with a blue, blue city uh, with a very small percentage of the people voting for these characters. Chestnut is one of the most habitual political uh, 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 office holders in all levels of life. I mean, she's been everything. And, you know, I know her personally. Um, she's always been extremely pleasant to me. And, and you know, I, I guess because, you know, a lot of these people don't want to tangle with me. But on the other hand, I've always liked her, you know. But here we are. This is uncalled for. This is the, I wouldn't do this to her. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, Al Sharpton has been to this community. You know, um, Jesse Jackson has been here to this community. And by the way, something never escaped into the light of day was something Jesse Jackson said at a Martin Luther King banquet, which I attended when Jesse Jackson was a guest speaker. And Jesse Jackson said, Listen, examine these politicians. Jesse Jackson said what I'm about to tell you. Examine these politicians a little more closely. He said, just don't take them for granted because they take you for granted. And he was talking about the Democrat Party. And he said, you know, when Martin Luther King was in jail in Birmingham, um, he wanted Nixon to come and see him. Well, Nixon didn't come. But. Kennedy did. And because Kennedy came to see Martin Luther King in jail, Martin Luther King, who was a Republican, changed to the Democrat Party. Now, that's been the way it's been ever since. You know, and he, Jesse Jackson himself said, you need to rethink some of these Allegiances you have because you get taken advantage of. I almost fainted. I couldn't believe he was saying this. Well, guess what? He might have been hollering down a well because nobody, nobody ever changed because of what he said. It was amazing. So nobody's going to change because of what Cynthia Chestnut says. Because she's lockstep with this herd mentality and has blinders on about, you know, if I were the college professor doing this this way, I mean, I, I they should be, I mean, they should dress me down. It, it's, it's not, it doesn't make sense. So um, I appreciate you getting a chance to look at that. It's uh, crazy. It is It is just absolutely off the charts in terms of rudeness, really abuse of office. Uh, what else can we say about it? Um, the other thing that the local people are doing is they are engaged and this is, goes along with Chestnut and Eastman, in meddling with rent leases. Now, let me give you an idea about what rent leases are like. If you are in the landlord business, the first thing you do is you get an attorney to write your leases. Hey, you don't write the things yourself. You write them up so those leases are ironclad clear to the tenant and to you, the landlord. The city of Gainesville commissioners act as if they don't know that. I mean, they act as if they need to write the leases or they need to get involved. Um, you know, they say this is an effort to increase stability for renters. Well, what renters are they talking about? They're not talking about all these college students and these high-rise buildings because those are all 
professionally run, um, professionally leases, drawn up. Whom are they talking about? They don't seem to know. They seem to think they need to pass a policy or everybody and his brother in the rental business. And this business is already governed by state law, by union uh, uh, kind of uh, property managers that are professionals, there's so many of them, they don't go out and do this stuff when they're hit. And for them to compare in this article, once again, it's an article in the Logical Chronicle, this time by Jared Spanos. Very well done. The city of Gainesville, to Miami Beach, Lake Worth, Tampa. You can't do that. The city of Gainesville is pretty much its own data bank with the university and Santa Fe College and you know, this is not Miami. Everybody in the landlord business knows that you have to build in a 5% increase in rents every year. Why? Because taxes go up. Insurance goes up. All these things go up. If you don't build it in every year, you run the risk of falling behind and never catching up. So everybody with sense builds in a 5% rent increase and has a lawyer draw up the lease agreement. This is not some ripping off of poor people. This is not blindsiding tenants with rent increases. The only time I've known really rent increases to occur in a big way is when a property sells and a new person comes in with a larger mortgage. You don't blindside people. What percentage of people are they talking about here? They have no idea. And if Jared has written a very good article here, they don't seem to, in the commission, address it. So now the city wants to establish a reporting function to deal with complaints. They'll never, ever be able to administer that. It will make no sense whatsoever. Casey Willits, a commissioner, says 60% of the people in the city of Gainesville are renters. Well, break it down. Are they student renters? Are they, who are these people? You just can't come up with a sweet. This is what's in this man's mind. Seiko, the communist commissioner, wants to find landlords who violate the ordinance they're getting ready to create. I mean, are you kidding me? Harvey Ward, his father, Harvey Legrand Ward, was a notorious renter in East Gainesville. Landlord, a notorious landlord in East Gainesville. I mean, it, it, it's, it's ironic that Harvey Ward would open his mouth. A 60-day notification for an increase in rent above 5%. They just pull these numbers out of the wild blue. And this is a discussion. I wanted to show you these two before we take our break. One about who gets the key to the city, which is just incredible. And the other is about them sticking their nose in the rental business, which is already governed by the Landlord-Tenant Act and creating yet more policies and more expense for the city to administrate. 
That's your Gainesville City Commission. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. The warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, Hi boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Well, we've been talking about the um, climate of the city of Gainesville commissioners. Fortunately, the climate here of the actual weather is pretty good. It's about 65 degrees right now. It's going up into the 80s. We got this incredible uh, heat spell if you're going on listening to us from somewhere else. The allergy outlook is good. Um, the current quality of air is excellent. All these kind of things we read off the computer. We do have a major storm spreading snow and ice across the U.S., but not among us. We got record-breaking warmth here for the southeast for the foreseeable future, uh, which is probably the rest of the week. And um, uh, we're um, um, uh, experiencing, you know, it's kind of, this thing in Turkey is really unbelievable. They've got 6.3 aftershock jolts now, uh, you know, along that place where they had the terrible tragedy with last number I saw with 40,000 people. Um, Amazing, just amazing. So right now in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, around the Warthog Command Center, we're experiencing pretty good weather. Well, you know, we talked about uh, the criteria they were talking about for giving the key to the city to somebody. Hopefully you got a look at that and and realized that, um, um, golly, Tim Martin, you write the city of Gainesville and starting a Black Lives Matter crosswalk. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Black Lives Matter has turned out to be one of the most corrupt organizations by all accounts we can read um, that's ever been formed and then adhered to by people blindly. Um, the, the books on it are just um, really, really questionable. And uh, um, lots of uh, outlets have covered this story and investigated it. Um, you know, um, yeah, I guess, uh, Ken, that they are serious. 
Let's go over here and talk for a moment. We talked about the commission. And um, let's talk once again. This is fine reporting by Jennifer Gabara, Lateral Chronicle. She just beats the socks off of um, the Gainesville City Commission. And we're proud to work together uh, as so far as we can to get you um, a local stuff. I do more than local. I do state and national, but um, local, Jennifer and I really take a look at together, and she's excellent. Um, this is about the Alachua County School Board holding a workshop uh, about what to do. Uh, yeah, you guessed it, uh, the behavior of students in the public school system. Now, let me just give you a little, I'm very well versed on the public school system. Uh, I talk to teachers in it. Um, I've been in it. Uh, right now, Gainesville High, as I said, is about 68% black. And I'm told by teachers there that when you write up someone there for misbehavior, you cannot write up more uh, blacks than you do whites. Really? Now, which means that if the data were actually correct, you would be allowed as a teacher to write up of the people you write up, 68% minorities. So the data is kind of skewed at the actual source because the teachers are intimidated if they tell the truth about the behavior which just exacerbates a problem and creates a bigger problem. And yet, and it's kind of ironic that Dion McGraw is talking about this. You may recall she had a son arrested behind the state attorney's office for carrying a weapon that turned out to be uh, hot and um, had to get a liar to get that all taken care of. So it makes you wonder um, that here is somebody who's a school board member talking about the behavior of students and has a son, kind of like Cynthia Chestnut, talking about Clarence Thomas, who was a Supreme Court justice, and cackling that she would not cackle. There's a good verb. Cackling that she would never give him the key to the city when she has her own son, Christopher, who's permanently disbarred. I don't know how people can go through this disconnect. I mean, it's just, it's another kind of side story here, but how do you get, it's like Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. How do you get so disconnected? I mean, how do you publicly state one thing and privately live another life completely? I mean, it's just difficult for me to understand, but apparently it takes place. So she's in here dealing with behavior. Um, and behavior is took discussion took place at a workshop, and the workshop revealed some things that uh, I'll share with you that are in the PowerPoint. Um, she entitled her presentation as "Enough Is Enough" and talked about violent offenses on campus: uh, thirty-seven weapons, ninety-eight threat intimidations, one hundred forty-two physical attacks, three hundred sixty-four serious fights. 54 drug offenses, 40 disruptions. Insofar as the reportage has been done freely and without fear of retaliation, you can probably trust these, but I, I submit they're probably a lot higher than this based upon the fact that teachers tell me they don't report everything because they don't want to be, you know, have people come back on them. Unfortunate. Um, there is, of course, a truth to this. Let's not quibble over the numbers. Um, it's out of control. And I've done some thinking about this, and I want to run this by you. Oh, by the way, let me just present this to you. Uh, the age and, and, and uh, uh, the, the demographics. Um, 
This is the delinquency profile from her pro, from her pre- presentation. This is the delinquency profile for Alachua County in 2022. Um, there were, see if I get this right. And the total number of arrests, 725, um, 60% of those arrests were black male. 23% were black female. White males were 10%. I'm just rounding this off. White females were 4%. Hispanic males were 2%, two and a half. Hispanic females were less than 1%. This is a breakdown of the number of violent offenses on campuses as reported to the Florida Department of Education. And as I say, you have to kind of wonder about those and whether they were done though reported freely and without concern for retaliation. But one of the things that jumps out at me here is we have black males at 60%, black females at 23, white males at 10, white females at 4.6, Hispanics at 2.4, males and females at less than 1%. But we have, are you, are you with me? No Asians. No Asians arrested at all. Or at least reported. None. Zero. Zilch. Dion McGraw, Jackie, a school board member who was removed the first time for being in the wrong district. Now, let me give you an anecdotal conversation I had with a teacher. This teacher told a story. Teachers are always suggesting, particularly in younger grades, that parents can do what parents can do to help their child do well in school. And the story told to me is just one example. I'll give it to you. The teacher told the well-meaning minority mother, and it was also in this case a minority father, what they could do to help their child be prepared to do well in school. And the, te- the teacher gave the, the parents, take them to the museum, this, that, one, took them, take them to the library, put a pretty detailed list out for things that were free, that were available, readily available in the community, that would pique the child's curiosity for learning. And in following up on this, what the teacher learned was that the parents did none of that. On the other hand, what they did, they took the child to get her hair done, which cost about 60 bucks. Now, granted, this is just one story. At Santa Fe College, when I was there, I've told you the story about the free learning lab that's available for any student to come into and get free help. And I've told you the story that we had to, quote unquote, practically lock the Asian out. The Asian wore the lab out. We kept a chart of all this. The last person Whoever came to that was the black male. These are just facts. I'm not making this stuff up. It's facts. We didn't know what to do about it. So we got together and we formed an organization called My Brother's Keeper. We found black males in the school that there, there are some, believe me, you just don't hear about them, who do well. And we formed a group, a club, 
following my brother's keeper. And hopefully those guys would influence the others to take advantage of all the teaching aids we had at that institution. It was unsuccessful. And I'm putting all these dots together, and I now know why it's unsuccessful. I'm going to offer this to you as a hypothesis, students. Why does, and it's not ever said in the conversation, but why does Cynthia Chestnut dislike Clarence Thomas? Well, Clarence Thomas adopts the white ways. Do you follow this? He's not a true and true black. He thinks for himself. When we formed my brother's keeper, we didn't make a dent in the use of the lab. You know why? That was learning, if you went to the lab, the white ways. Of course, the Asians don't see it that way. And they didn't want to learn the white ways. So I got to thinking about this. What does critical race theory have to do with all this? And what does all this diversity, equity, and inclusion have to do with all this? I think I know now. I think I know now. This is what I glean from Dion McGraw's presentation called Enough is Enough. And I applaud her for taking the stand Enough is Enough. But unfortunately, I don't think it addresses the root cause. And the root cause is Gainesville High was a white school with white ways and still is teaching people Quote, unquote, what? European culture, debate, mathematics, critical thinking, things that were derived and honed out of the Renaissance and you know, come on. So what critical and and DeSantis is onto this. He understands this. Critical race theory and all of its various versions is an attempt to convert white edge. So I'm using their terminology white supremacy educational values into. Black values. And therefore, bringing down the standards of the institutions. Do you follow me? Bringing down the standards of the institutions to what? From meritocracy to equity. And because the whites are afraid to be called a racist. They allow this to happen. And as Jesse Jackson said to the blacks that night, you're going to get played. You're the ones that are going to suffer. And they didn't listen to him. He himself has been silent. I heard him say it with my own two ears. So this, all of a sudden, these light bulbs are going off in my head. This is why. Now, in anywhere in her presentation, I don't see where Dion McGraw comes to the conclusion I've come to, or has presented this hypothesis to you. 
to think about. It would really be difficult. It be, would be heresy for her to come to that conclusion. Her own people would turn on her if she came to that conclusion. I'm offering as a thing to think about. The root cause, and here is in her presentation, Tina Certain gets involved. Tina Certain is clueless. She wraps up the discussion by conceding that enough meetings had been held on the topic of behavior in schools and that it's time for action. Of course, they don't have any clue what the action is. The only action that would get at the root cause is to sell the students on meritocracy and support it. So what does she do? She speaks to Superintendent Andrew, and I guarantee you, he can't come to the conclusion that I've come to. And if he does, he doesn't dare say it. And she speaks to the Chief of Equity, Antoinette Edwards, Chief of Equity. Equity. The first thing you would do is fire, eliminate that position. Because if you have a chief of equity, you are against meritocracy, which is in the minds of these minority students, white values. If I'm wrong, I invite you to come on the show and educate me. Educate me. Funding and putting money into this is not going to change a single stinking thing. It just won't do it. Until you accept what the Asians have accepted. Doesn't it, doesn't it jump out at you? There's no Asian discipline problems. And the Asians want to learn. They could care less if it's white. white. They love English. They want to learn English really, really well. Because they know that English runs the world. They don't want to work, learn some substandard version of English. They want to learn how to use formally correct English syntax. Because that's their ticket to promotion. Now this is, and I have some very intelligent people watching this show. Very intelligent. I applaud you all. Thank you for tuning in. This is just for me to present to you to think about. The root cause of the behavior problem is the lack of respect for the values of meritocracy. How do you do that? You got to start with the superintendent. You got to start with the principals. And then you've got to back up the teachers who are supporting this. And you've got to deal with the ones who are disrupting it. Now, for a while, I was a dean in high school. I'm going to give you a little secret, okay? I'm going to give you a little secret. You know that I was 15 years old when I was a senior. I won the citywide public speaking contest in the ninth grade. And in the ninth grade, I was two years younger than the other ninth graders. And I competed against 10 city schools. And all the way up to seniors, they could compete with me. I also, at that school, held the record number of nights of detention for being in trouble in class. 
Now, my defense is that I was bored, waiting around on others to get it. Plus, I was younger, in some cases, two or three years younger than my classmates. And you know how that goes. You got to fight because they'll always pick on you. So, I, you know, I was in fights. So when I became the dean for a while at Gainesville High School, I understood the troubled youth. I could talk to them. I could see things through their eyes. I wasn't successful always. But they saw one of their own there. Because a lot of the troubled youth are pretty darn smart. So first of all, you got to find the leaders in the groups themselves. The gangs certainly have them. The gangs know how to pick a leader. So if you find the leaders in the school system and can talk to them, tough love now. They know breaks. Tough love. But redemption also. Then take money. It takes courage. That's my experience. Having been on both sides of this deal. And you know the story. I got sent to military school for my behavior in high school. In a military school, I'm going to tell you something. I loved it because it was tough. It was tough. Those professors that stood in judgment of you, they were fair, but they were firm. And they didn't cut you any slack. I can remember the day I was crossing the yard at the military school, and I was a long way away from Colonel Wade. Old bird colonel, heavily decorated from World War II, artillery, artillery officer, whom I tremendously respected, who was teaching me trigonometry and analytical geometry. And I thought, well, I'm far enough away that maybe I don't have to salute Colonel Wade, whom I did respect, I mean, really, because he was so ramrod stable. I just knew his judgment was sound. And if he said something, I believed it. So I didn't salute. And all of a sudden I heard Cadet Scott. His voice boomed across the yard. Front and center. I double-timed over to Colonel Wade. Stood in front of him, ramrod straight. And I was in his class at the time, but he knew me. He said, Cadet Scott, you failed to salute me. I said what my father told me, who had been a lieutenant colonel in Okinawa and Leyte and all these places, survived it, told me the only answer I should ever give if asked a question at military school. The only answer I should ever give is no excuse, sir. So when Colonel Way, full bird colonel, said to me, Cadet Scott, you failed to salute me. I saluted him and said, no excuse, sir. That was the end of it. That was the end of it. Perfect way to Resolved the tension. I accepted my blame, apologized, and showed my respect. Somehow, someday, some way, we need to put this in the judicial system. We need to put this in the educational system. We need to put it in the political discourse. Thanks very much for tuning in today to the Word Scott Files. Have a great day.